with that, we're going to get right to it today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2, we're going to look at 23, and then we're going to go into John chapter 3, 1 through 17. So it's... um, And man, I'll tell you what, this week as I dove into this, there are so many different directions that you can go. This is an incredible uh, segment of Scripture. Um, There's things like... um, they're the most popular verse in the Bible. Out of the 32,000 plus verses in the Bible, John 3.16, we're looking at that today. So I thought, man, we, we should go there. We're going to look at where uh, uh, Jesus reminds Nicodemus about Moses and, and the Israelites when the, the venomous snakes bit them and Moses raised the, the bronze uh, snake, on a, put it, uh, made a bronze snake, put it on a pole, raised it up, and the people looked at it and were healed. We... we Last, I think, 2018, that's where I kind of focused on in these verses. But I'll tell you what, God, God gave me something early on in the week, and I wrestled with this. Man, where, God, where do I go here? I was flip-flopping all week. And it's like, I, I really wanted an audible voice for this one. Like, God, will you just tell me where, where to go? And so here's the thing, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with what I, I'm, where I think I believe the Lord's leading me here. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, I'll put my email address up there. If you think I missed it at the end of the thing, will you, will you write me and tell me that, please? Or I could use some encouragement, too. That, that would that'd be good. All right, let's get to it here. John chapter 2, 23. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, remember last week we looked at when Jesus cleared the temple. He went to the Passover and cleared the temple. Well, Jesus did many miracles there. We're we're just not told what they are here in John. But it says, Jesus did, um, uh, because miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust Him. But Jesus didn't trust them because He knew all about people. No one needed to tell Him about human nature for He knew what was in each person's heart. John 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reap the human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses, Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. Isn't that incredible? How are, there's so much incredible truth in, in so many different directions, but here's what I want to do today. I want to look at I, I, four observations. Four observations from our text this morning. First one is this. And here's the thing. This is my heart. We're, you're going to hear a lot that God loves you. Because I see... Jesus loving this Pharisee. In fact, when we read the, the, the Gospels, don't, who does Jesus scold a lot? The Pharisees. But Jesus, what I saw in this passage this week is that Jesus loves this Pharisee here so much. And Jesus, and really the, the main idea of this whole thing is that Jesus loves you. And I know there are seasoned believers in this room. You've known the Lord for a long time. You've heard that over and over and over. I'm one of them. But you know what my heart is for today is that you would, there would be a kind of a, a peeling of the onion, a new layer of God's love, how much, how much He loves you. First observation I saw in our text is that God knows exactly what's on our hearts. God knows exactly what's on our hearts and He still loves us so, so much. Check this out. John 2, 23-25, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in Him. But Jesus didn't trust them. Because He knew all about people. No one needed to tell Him about human nature for He knew what was in each person's heart. Look, he, I think the big idea here is that He knows what's sin nature, the fickleness of sin. He, that's also see here that He... He, um, he knows what's on our hearts. Well, we know that. God knows all things. But Jesus knew what were on people's hearts. We saw that in the Gospels. But He knows what's on, on our hearts. And there's one thing here about trust. Jesus said this, but Jesus didn't trust them. There's one thing about trust. Here's trust. Trust has to be earned, right? It has to be earned. But God's love is unconditional. And He loves you. He loves you so much. He knows what's on our hearts. He knows the good. He sees, he sees the good. He sees the bad and the ugly, yet, yet He still loves us. He sees our struggles, fears, worries, frustrations, anger. And I'm just writing these down. I was at my desk right here, just writing down what was on my heart right here. Just, so, just, just sorry at that bit. But I, Here's a long list. Fears, worries, frustration, anger, doubts, confusion, weaknesses, insecurity, sin. Yet in all our brokenness, God loves us with an unchangeable love. Man, I was trying to think in, in my office, like, how do you explain God's love? And we're going to get to it. But man, how do you really explain that kind of love? Like, I, I just, I, I can't put words to it. Loves us. See, I, I, this point was generated when I had a conversation with a good friend 
a while back. And he was sharing with me that he was like, he was telling me the circumstances that were in his life, things that were happening in his life. And he asked me, Steve, does God love me? And I was like, oh, bro, bro, stop right there. Oh, yeah, God loves you. He's never stopped loving you. But what he was doing and what he was thinking, he was looking at his circumstances and, and he was going, oh, does God, he's going through a really difficult time. Does God really love me? Oh, yeah, he does. And I think what happened with my, my friend was this, is that you get a, when you get away from fellowship, when you get away from this, from, from being with the brothers and sisters, when you get away from being in the Word, you know, being alone can just tweak with your doctrine. It can tweak with your mind. I'm what, uh, Tyler and Amy got, Benzinger got me hooked on uh, my full family on the, uh, the Alone series. Have you, get, you ever see that? When they get out in, what, 50, 55 days, they're tweaking. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's when, so this is what I really thought was happening to my friend. He's gotten away from fellowship. He's gotten away from being in the Word. And the, and the way the enemy works, he kind of can, can manipulate. He'll manipulate you. And here's the verse that I want to give this friend. Romans 8, 35, 39. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean we no longer does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or, or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or are in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And he, Paul says this no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. For even the powers of hell can't separate us from God's love. For no, no power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen! That is so good. Because when we're going through it, when we're getting hammered, we, we're, we're, we got God's love. It ain't going nowhere. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Sorry, I'm getting fired up. I get fired up. when It's easy to get fired up about God's love. It's so amazing. So number two, okay, let's get going here. Number two, God loves us so much. Here's the second observation. God loves us so much, He will tell us the hard truth. He loves us so much, He's going to tell us the hard truth. He's not worried about hurting our feelings. He's not worried about it. We're going to see right here with Nicodemus. Look at this in John 3, 1-7. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Now, let, let's, let's just look at this real quick. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. There were... The Pharisees were the religious leaders, the, uh, the lawyers, the, the uh, I guess you'd say uh, moral lawyers. There were about 6,000 of them, okay? And um, there was also this elite group within the Pharisees called the Sanhedrin, and this is who Nicodemus is a part of this. He, was, he would be a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a teacher of teachers. It would be kind of like the Supreme, like a Supreme Court justice. Uh, it, same kind of idea here. Big deal. 
And he risked it going to Jesus because they didn't like Jesus. And he, he, he went to talk to him. It says this, after dark one evening. Now, yeah, he went, it was dark, but some think that he went in the evening. He wasn't hiding, but maybe because he wanted that alone time with the Lord. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Okay, look at this. Nicodemus goes to him. We've seen these signs. We've seen what you're doing. And Jesus, talk about Jesus who knows what's on your heart. There's no small talk here. (laughs) There's absolutely no small talk. Jesus goes right to Nicodemus and says, you know, you need to be born again. If you want to get in the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again, okay? What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can, re- uh, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The point I want, the point I'm trying to, that I got from this is that God loves us so much, He'll tell us the hard truth. And this was a hard truth for Nicodemus. Because everything about Nicodemus, about the way he was going to get into heaven, was about him being a Jew. It was about him being a Pharisee. Being, being a teacher of the law. Uh, memorized, he memorized the Torah. It was all about his works. And uh, that's in his mind. That's I'm dialed in. I'm going to heaven, but Jesus says, "No, no, no. You got to be born again." Born again. I have no control over that. <laughs> this this was radical. This was radical for for Nicodemus. And then you see it in Paul's you see it in Paul's letters to the churches. A lot of them, because what, what the Jews would come by, people would get saved and these, uh, these zealots would come in and they'd say, okay, that's fine, trust in Jesus, but also you need to do this. You need to, it wasn't just Jesus, it was at, things were added. And Paul always had to bring correction to that. Look what Paul, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, look what he says. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. That Jesus loved Nicodemus. My point is this: Jesus loves Nicodemus so much, loved Nicodemus so much that he told him the truth, something that hurt. And God loves us. Jesus loves us so much. He's not going to let us in. He's not going to let us linger in false doctrine. He's going to speak to our hearts. He's going to tell us the hard truth. He loves us that much. And that leads to number three: God loves us so much will be patient with us. He knows how to speak to each one of us. And this, I, I was so excited this because I, I saw the Lord and the Lord's love for Nicodemus and he knew what Nicodemus needed. John 3, 9-13. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher and you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? 
No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And then he goes into verse 14. This is Numbers 21. He says, And Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. That, that's huge right there. That verse. Here's the thing. That, that, so, Jesus knew what Nicodemus needed. Nicodemus memorized the, the, the Torah. He would have memorized, he would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about right here. And when you look at this story, parents, uh, Harlan, Harlan, this, is a, this story is an amazing... You know, kids growing up, it's, it's hard to understand the Gospel. And this story, man, really makes it clear. Jesus takes Nicodemus to the story where the, the Israelites were, were complaining about God and they were complaining about Moses. And so what God did was He sent snakes. He sent venomous snakes. And they were, they, people were getting bit and they were dying. They finally cried out. They cried out to, to Moses, uh, pray for us. Help us. And Moses goes to the Lord and the Lord tells him, okay, uh, uh, make a bronze snake. Put it on a pole. Put it, put it where everybody can go. And people who get bit by the snake can go to that pole, look upon the bronze snake and be healed. He, God, gave, God gave him the remedy. And when you look at that and you compare that story with the Gospel, that we have all been bit, bitten. We've all been bit. All of us have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all sinned. We've all been bitten. And we're all gonna, and we die, right? When, when, uh, when we walk away from God, when we choose our own path, do our own thing. Sorry. When we do our own thing, we, we choose, our, choose our own path, um, there's spiritual death. Because the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. Physical death, but primarily spiritual death. Separation from God. And so what is our remedy? Just like the, the snake was lifted up, Jesus is lifted up. And I just love how, I love how the Lord took time, was patient with Nicodemus, and knew exactly what he, I believe, what he needed. Because we see later on that Nicodemus becomes a, uh, becomes a believer. He helps take the body of Jesus' body off the cross and take, uh, to the, brings him to the tomb, buries Jesus. Very public demonstration. And so God loves us so much, He'll be patient with us. He knows how to speak to each one of us. And here's where I want to go with this one real quick. What transformed Nicodemus? Nicodemus was transformed by, by words of Jesus, by talking with Jesus. How are we transformed? We're transformed when we talk with Jesus. And how do we hear Jesus' voice right here? It's so important for us to be in, in the Word. Uh, Romans 12.2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is alive and powerful. Psalm 119.105 Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Matthew 4.4 Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of 
God. Nicodemus was transformed talking with Jesus. We're transformed when we get in, when we hear Jesus, we listen to Jesus in his word. And then number four, observation number four. God loves us so much. He died a horrible death on a cross for us. How do you describe God's love for us? Just look at the cross. There's no greater love. There's no greater, John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Four observations from our text. God knows exactly what's on our heart and He still loves you so much. He sees the good, the bad, and the ugly, yet He still loves you. God loves you so much, He'll tell you the hard truth. God loves you so much, He'll be patient with you. He knows exactly what you need, and God loves you so much. He died a horrible death on a cross for you.